Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Hello and welcome to the second part of the podcast with Westbam. Now, I don't know if you've listened to the other podcasts, but if you have, you might remember the one with Martin Ware of Heaven 17, where he talked about growing up in Sheffield and how Sheffield and the sound of the clang of steel in the local steel industry in that town influenced him. Well, with Westbam, it's another city which was pivotal to his success, the then walled city of Berlin. One thing Nick Cave said about Berlin is that he gave him the confidence to do yeah. what he wanted to do and not give yeah, a shit yeah, yeah. about what other people yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Did Berlin was... have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I think that is the thing that Berlin has always had and still has today. I think, and now uh, with my now that I'm a little older and more wise, I'd say. That story begins way before the 60s. That story begins probably with uh, Friedrich der Große, um, that Prussian king, who probably was a gay guy, who kind of like had this kind of also this idea, well, you know, everybody should live the way they want to. And he has this very famous quotation, um, jeder soll nach seiner Fasson glücklich werden. So, uh, um, and that kind of like, then he had all these people that were persecuted in France, the Hugonotten, these people uh, for their religion and their beliefs said, oh, well, join me here in Prussia. You can do it. And he invited Voltaire to his court. And uh, so he, he was uh, kind of like, by the same time, he founded the tradition of German militarism, uh, which eventually led to that incredible military power that started world wars. But then again, he was in a good way, the founder of this 
come to Berlin and live and be happy the way you want to be happy. You know, so that's quite co contradictory uh, traditions that I, th I think he founded. William sort of opened doors for you, but he also clearly you had this potential to do things and to yeah, do and yeah. to take risks and do uh, different things, um, and, and including writing um, an article where you described what the future yeah. of the DJ would be and what the future yeah. of cover art as being art. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here comes another story. There was, you know, I talked about my early drawings in the uh, political far left alternative press. One of those guys uh, uh, was like uh, living in Frankfurt, um, a Latvian guy named Indulis Bilzens. And he was kind of like a uh, impresario to William and he liked William and William brought me in. And kind of like uh, Indulis always stuck around and he, he, he had quite an influence as well on William and also on me. And in fact, you know that what I'm very happy now that this manifesto at the time was released, I had written it for myself, only for myself. And I had forgotten it in William's car. Now this guy Indulis found it and he said, wow, that, that sounds interesting a DJ as the musician of the future that plays uh, a more minimal kind of really underground music. And it will be the pop music of the future, but also the underground of the future. Mind you, like in 84, you didn't have techno or house or any of that. You know, you had disco and you had new wave disco, but you didn't have the idea. Also you had hip hop, but hip hop was about the rapper and stuff. <clears throat> Uh, uh, but uh, the idea that the DJ himself would become the artist, that, that was kind of revolutionary. To me, it came natural because, as I say, from my parents' background, whatever you do is kind of art. So for me, to see my DJing as an art form was easier than for other guys, you know. For them, it was a job. They would talk about uh, next, uh, I think next month this record will be big, and uh, you know, uh, and I will uh, program this, and I will, you know, and look at the uh, uh, the record reviews, and well, you know, and talk to my boss about uh, you know the next beach party and all of that crap, you know. So in in that world that I came into, the disco world. You know, uh, all these ideas at the time were completely new and alien. But I would have, I wouldn't have, I, I, I didn't sh uh, um, look for anybody to uh, 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 to uh, release this text of mine. Um, but Indulis found it uh, in the in the car, read it, and said, "Oh wow." This like a manifesto. We have, to, and he gave it to a friend of his, uh, who had at the time an avant-garde uh, 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 newspaper called Der Neger, uh, uh, and they. Uh, 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 it was them that kind of like brought it to the public audience. And it was also and under under Westphalia Bambata, wasn't it? Yes, so exactly. So right. this. This is obviously Westphalia, the part of Germany where yeah. you're from, where Munster yeah. is. 
and Bambata from Africa Bambata. And yeah. this is where your yeah. name Westbam came yeah. from. But yeah. a change of name, I mean, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm my real name is Stephen James, and my stage name, which I changed to be on MTV, was yeah. Steve Blame. And I've had a ton of therapy in my life. And when I talk to therapists, they always say that when you change your name, you develop a second personality. So you yeah. have a different personality. So I, I have a different personality yeah. to Steve Blame, yeah. which I think is the one that gets into trouble. And we talk about that nightclub a bit later. And what happens? It gets all the blame for it. It gets no? the blame for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Exactly. So who is Westbam in relation to Maximilian Lentz? Yeah, well, kind of like Westbam is funny. It's re really a, a name that developed, kind of like. Um, when I came to Berlin, you know, people in West Berlin, at the, at the time, there was no Aussies around. Well, they were around, but behind the wall somewhere, you know, hidden. So people would always blame the West Germans. So the worst word in, in West Berlin was Vessies, you know. That was a bad word because Aussies, they didn't get bothered by Aussies, but by those West German tourists. So for me, again, that's my anti-authorian thing to say like, well, <clears throat> I come from Westphalia. So I, I put the West in my, my, my name even, you know. <clears throat> that was kind of a provocation at the time. So when I um, started playing at the Metropole, which was the big gay club in Berlin, again, that was another big underground that you didn't have, probably worldwide you didn't have such a big uh, and quite crass gay scene as, as that scene in, in Berlin at the time. When I played there, uh, I changed my name from Westphalia Bambata to, at first I was West Bam with a B at the end, and then it changed to West Bam, you know? And that, yeah, well, it's kind of a weird name, I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm not even sure, you know, I think at the time it, it was not clear to me, but clear from my name, I would never have a career in the West, but rather in the East, because West sounds good to the East, more to, than to the West, yeah? So, uh, uh, and it sounds, I, I, I realize, like, when Americans hear that name, they're like, oh, that's a weird name. They prefer somebody we call Paul van Dijk or Armin van Buren, you know, that's, that's named. So, uh, 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 so a lot of, uh, so you kind of, when you give yourself a name, I think unconsciously you decide upon your faith to some extent, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not upset at all, you know, because deep in my heart, also, being a historic person, I always thought I could do better in the East than in the West world, you know. And I, until today, I think the heart of rave music beats more in the East than in the West. You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. I think I want to come to one, one point that actually connects to that, because the 80s for me in Britain, which is very different yeah. from in Berlin, but the 80s yeah, yeah, yeah. for me in Britain were really dominated by 
you know, it's unemployment, social unrest, uh, homophobia, sexism, misogyny. It was, you know, there was a a pile of shit going on. And at the same time, there was an absolute amazing amount of great music during the early 80s. When you came to the late 80s, and then, you know, Acid House and Techno and all these... um, uh, different I, I think they're sort of lifestyle genres came into being they change the society or they came at the time that society was changing now you played you know as you just mentioned in the metropole you played in a gay club and yeah. in in part of the 80s and I remember that in the early 80s I felt comfortable as a gay man in gay clubs yeah. in the late 80s it was okay to go to you know a techno house whatever, a warehouse type event where they played that sort of music. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was very mixed and it was very much more of of a sort of what we see today as a modern society where we're all together and we don't just identify into our little groups. How was that in Berlin and how did that relate to East and West? Yeah, well, that kind of like uh, is very interesting because at the time I realized the, the metropole when before I started DJing uh, and I was just a pupil away in the west of uh, West Berlin uh, m- my classmates uh, would rave about the metropole so the metropole was although it was a gay club at the time it already had a cult following of straight people kind of like the the gay crowd was like the host and it was their music and their culture, but it had kind of clicked onto weird, uh, a weird kind of smaller crowd of uh, uh, suburban teenage people who kind of like like this kind of larger, this posing, this the gay thing, the and like like myself, the energy, you know. So um, I think Berlin was one of the places. I, I remember my, my girlfriend at the time said to me, uh, um, are you gay? Uh, and um, that was the first time I heard it in Münster. I never heard anybody talk, talk about gay people. It was a more normal thing. Like gay people were more a part of it. And the, 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 the question wasn't, wasn't critical or anything. It was just for interest, you know? Uh, so, um, I think that the divide wasn't as deep in Berlin because Berlin, everybody should be happy the way they're happy. That was the vibe always. So the divide between gay and straight people uh, wasn't as bad as it was in uh, most other places, I believe. And that kind of translated into, you know, then um, in the mid-80s where this Macht der Nacht kind of where I started playing house music and on the record night, we had 8,000 people. West Berlin was empty. They were all in our tent, you know? And I played this music that there wasn't a scene for house music or for techno-ish beats. But from the Metropole days, there was a school, a school of, um, of that kind of energy that it felt, you know, and I always saw house techno in the high energy disco tradition. You know, and basically that kind of like developed from, especially for example in Chicago, from this black gay ghetto thing, translated into a, a more major crowd. And then, you know, the war- girls would come 
And when the girls come of, after the while, you know, the boys come. And so the kind of like it, um, that music in a uh, open and that whole culture, starting with the gay uh, culture, yeah, helped to change society, I believe. You mentioned before also about changing I, 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 society. I, one little, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of energy. I need uh, to get Okay, power up. Can I get it? Yep, okay. power up. One, one, one second, one second. No, I'm going to leave you running. That's what we do on this podcast. Okay, uh, now we're safe. Okay. Whew. We're back on again, are we? Okay, good. We're back on, yeah. Yeah, what I wanted to say is that you mentioned earlier about the work you did in, you know, inverted commas, for the German government, for the West, yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of, you know, bringing down the wall and bringing yeah, societies yeah. together. But it's, 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 it's not a joke, is it, really? It's something that really is fundamentally true, that that played a role. Can you also explain what role that played and what connection did it make to the young people in the East at that time behind the Iron Curtain? Yeah. Well, that part, you know, I always had the tendency to believe music can do something so like in, the, um, in a political way. And the best thing music can do is free your mind. You know, the best music frees your mind. So even in 87, you remember uh, uh, Gorbachev and Perestroika. Due to Indulis Bilzin, who was Latvian at the time, was a part of the Soviet Union, we got this invitation to play in Russia, and uh, not, not Russia, Soviet Union. Latvia wasn't Russia, so, uh, Soviet Union. So, uh, was that in Riga? That's Riga, yeah. and that's uh, that's a legendary gig. And we did like two or even three events at the time. And in those days, I mean, that they were testing what can we do now is perestroika about opening up and i was a little part of that in in riga because they they were like looking for their kind of freedom from and hoping to uh, be able to break away from soviet union at the time which eventually happened but at the time they were still a part of it and then uh, then again there was a russian group uh, from Riga, who saw me perform uh, from, uh, sorry, from St. Petersburg, they were called Pop Mechanics, and they performed that night in Riga, and they saw me, and then we did a gig together. They asked me, and they said, yeah, that's great, scratching and, you know, mixing stuff. So I, I was mixing Zig Zig Sputnik into that Russian band live on stage, and and so on. So, um, so that's only to say, yeah, well, kind of like that that whole changing the world to me with, by music took place again more in the East than in the West. You know, in West Germany, West Berlin, in America, you have a lot of trends and they go by and they something, you know. But that music at that very special time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm not saying, you know, that brought down the wall, but uh, did something that is over the average of what pop music usually does, you know? And to come back to Berlin, well, there were all these radio shows on Sender Freies Berlin, you know, the free, you know, the uh, transmitting from uh, the West right into the East, you know, and all these kids in East Berlin would listen to these shows and they would fantasize about that, you know, the little club that I took you to in 89 before the war came down, UFO, you know, which happened, as you might remember, to be quite empty at the time, you know, but for the East German kids, that was a place that they would dream to one day, maybe, but they wouldn't even hope to dream. They could join that and, you know, dance to acid music and be really crazy and free, whereas they live under this oppressive, oppressive system that holds them down and keeps them away from it. But so, like, that kind of like craving for it, that was the rule was planted with the music, with the radio shows, obviously. And um, well, and the, the proof of what I say is um, that after the coming weekends, after the war came down, the UFO suddenly burst, you know, with was bursting with people. It was like overcrowded, you know, before in 89, you know, there had been acid and ATA that had been on the cover of Bravo, and it was like kind of like a major kind of pop trend, even in Germany and England, even more. But kind of there was in West Berlin, there was going down, you know, it was on the way out, you know, because there was no real use for it, you know, and it was just, yeah, you could dance to that, but we could listen to Minnesota funk and dance to uh, Prince. Um, wouldn't that be a good idea now, you know? And it was only for the, those East German kids that suddenly overcrowded the UFO, that kind of techno culture in Berlin developed a whole new logic, you know, because at that point, it was not just a fad from last year that was on the way out. Now, it's a point of uh, craving and of fantasizing and of... Um, uh, this new music that's so much different from anything in East Germany, you know, that's not about songs, that's not state control, that's not, uh, not the old, you know, not even the East German protest songs with the old guitar going blah, blah, blah. It was just the future. It was electronic. It was super Western. And kind of that, all these dreams and hopes of these kids, you know, as I've said a million times, but still true, all these hopes and these dreams uh, and the, the, these like almost like children that, you know, uh, 
a door is open and there's like this magic wonderland behind it. And now it's all open up and the game starts all over and everywhere it's glittering and it's freedom and it's future. And it's all, and it's love, peace, and it's um, uh, progress, and it's democracy, and it's liberalism, and it's no state control no more. Kind of, the music got loaded with that, you know. And that's, you know. Um, um, I remember being in Berlin when the, just yeah. after the wall came down. I was there be just before. I think that was our night, which not long before. And I was there afterwards, and um, there was this very anti the East feeling when people saw the people oh. from the East come, come over in what they were wearing with these yeah, washed yeah, out yeah, denims yeah, yeah. and how they were with their, yeah. uh, you know, horrendous exactly. 70s haircuts and God knows what. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, the yeah, point, I mean, but the point of contact between the two people, as it were, of yeah, the two peoples yeah, yeah, between yeah, East yeah, and West yeah, yeah, was yeah. in these clubs, yeah, wasn't it? This was the point of yeah, contact. Yeah. This is where they actually did mix yeah. and where yeah. there was some exactly. relations started between yeah. East and West. And I think yeah. that was massively important. Uh, I, I agree to that 100%. And even it was a nice mix because like, Kind of that music and uh, most of the DJs at the time came from West Berlin, but the energy, the people came from East Berlin. It was in their locations, Haus der Jungtalente, and you know what they always say, you know, warehouses, empty ones in East Berlin. That's one thing I hate about like the the West, uh, um, the Western look uh, at the techno revolution. They always say, well, they had these empty houses in 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 East Berlin, you know, as if it was about empty houses, you know, it was full houses and these kids were the, uh, the, the East uh, Berlin kids. And it kind of, I learned from that, you know, because I saw this new kind of energy and, and kind of like, because this was what I was all about all the time, you know, kind of like free your mind, take the music and do something wild, revolutionize it, make it more crazy, take the energy, take it over the top. And kind of like, I, I had a little, you know, like Berlin was, also West Berlin was one of the best places for it, you know, but it wasn't until the wall came down where it was taken to a whole new level. And this is about the people of East Berlin rather a than about the empty houses of East Berlin, you know? Because, mind you, there were lots of empty houses in West Berlin as well, you know? Because Berlin, West Berlin, you know, didn't have any jobs. That's kind of like what made West Berlin fun, you know? It would only attract more or less useless people like myself, you know? Uh, 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 and, uh, you know, all these gay people and people who didn't want to go to the army. Whereas when you're a West Berliner, you know, you would go to West Germany to be a dentist or whatever, you know, so all the reasonable people left and all the scum like myself would go there, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, kind of like that kind of... And, and okay, these people who were there kind of were like very arrogant. So like, as I say, when the war was up, the bad uh, word was Wessies from West Germany. Now, when the war came down, that you had a whole, for the West Berliner, you had a whole new tribe of bad people. That was the 
um, east, east, east uh, Aussies, you know. So, but um, I wouldn't take that uh, personally against the Aussies because the West Berliners hated the Wessies as well, you know. So, so that's a little bit like English mentality, you know. Don't worry about it. We, yes, of course, we hate you, but we hate anybody anyway. You know, <laughs> you know? never mind. We hate you. Know, never mind. We hate Germans. We hate the French, and we hate the Italians, and we hate the Spanish too. You know. <laughs> You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Back in that era, and this refer, you know, refers to that, you know, one of those nights we went out and got completely smashed. Back in that era, the, the, when you went to a, a, a club, there was a, you went there for, uh, for the DJ, for the music, and to get completely smashed and to have absolute fun to the extreme. And you went there with a sort of open mind about how... The music would be. I don't think you had a sort of closed mind in any way. It was just like you're going to go with it and see what see what comes. But it was really about having fun and and um, you know taking drugs and just going completely uh, mad. And the best evening was the one where you went as wild as possible because they're the ones yeah. that you can talk about later. Um, yeah. On the night that we had, I just come to that and the difference to today. But on the night that we had. I remember being there with you and um, Fabian, DJ Dick, uh, your brother, and uh, we decided to have a competition who could take the most drugs in one night. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's, that? What's, what's that the plan? I mean, that was, I don't think it was a plan. <laughs> it was an agenda. It was an agenda. I have to say, yeah. I won. I remember I won and I had to go. You, you two, yeah, yeah, you two I went off home. Like, yeah. yeah, I know exactly, yeah, exactly. You were bowing down to me, and I had to go off to the wall and present a piece to camera for MTV at the wall. And I remember I had these dark glasses on, and I just couldn't get my words out. It took ages to do something that normally takes about three seconds. Anyhow, I mean, we're talking about it like older people do who had that experience yeah, we're yeah. laughing yeah. we're finding it fun it's back then yeah. but it's with yeah. you know don't have any problem with it it happened there's a complete different mentality today about going to a club and listening to to music yeah. and going to see a dj can you tell me what the difference is well i guess there's a million differences and kind of obviously any nothing is everything becomes you know so like it's it's hard to say and for even for me, you know, to uh, even judge, you know, there's a couple of things that I would uh, say. Um, well, kind of now it's changing. But f for example, in the in the uh, after the '90s, how do you call this? I call it the zeros. You know, the, the noughties. The noughties, the zeros between 2001 and uh, or 2001 and um, 2009. That era, era sorry, uh, people kind of like turned because, um, you know, the, these were the minimal days when, uh, and, and people sobered up and kind of even from the East German kids, kind of like the illusion of that complete wonder world, the glittering where everybody's free and happy and the drugs and the dancing and, and the raving society and the place. Uh, 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 behind the rainbow or whatever, you know, all of that kind of like had 
shown that is, you know, the world wouldn't change completely, you know, but, but the same problems are still there and stuff. And people were kind of like frustrated. And especially when that 9-11 thing happened, the whole mentality changed. And with that came, you know, the, 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 um, the beginning of the Berkheim era and all that kind of like, no, we don't want to go naked on the love raid. And like Motta said, we are, are going to be uh, one mankind because everybody's going to be here on the love raid and we're all going to get naked and dance to techno music and be happy about the future. Suddenly you had these people saying, oh, not everybody in the world loves us. Not everybody wants to be progressive. Liberalism might be a good thing for us, but other people would rather hide their women and dress up to, to, to the eyes, you know. And, and from that very same kind of mindset came a club like uh, uh, um, the club scene in, in that era that kind of suddenly was not about we're inviting everybody and we have this great rave signal to uh, um, unify us behind this idea but suddenly it was like we want to keep the world out it kind of was a little bit again like the old West Berlin who wanted to be a little world and not be bothered by the problems and not be bothered by Aussies or Vessies or by tourists who just want to be there among themselves and, and be quiet and not even promote West Berlin because you wouldn't want anybody to come anyway. You, you know, so it's kind of like that became the, the vibe uh, in that decade to come and kind of like people, yeah, sobered up in a lot of ways. And I realized, you know, in that today's has changed again, but in that decade, people like us were like um, very much the, the has-beens that would get, you know, that would like uh, go out and get drunk or, you know, and people, I, I, then I, on social network, you read, uh, oh, he had like three drinks at his DJ table. What what kind of working ethos is that, you know? It, it, serious, it, it, I couldn't believe it. I said like, uh, yeah, this kind of like, yeah, we want to keep uh, a good crowd. We want to be among ourselves. We want a DJ to do a proper job well, and so on. That was kind of like, okay, Backhand was different. Backhand kind of still was the flag of we want to get naked. But um, a lot of the techno culture and other ways were like more this kind of, uh, you know, ideals that, for example, Paul Van Dyke lived up to, you know, kind of like, Techno is a, a clean thing, and you are politically correct, and you uh, you want to do a positive music, and you dress up in uh, in fashionable stuff, and you go to a party and listen to a DJ, and um, you make yourself reasonable ideas about the future and plans, and you be that type of like straight straight up person, you know. Um, um, and kind of like over the last kind of years, and especially now, um, well, after the Corona times, I ha I'm hesitant now to say, but we, because we're still in the Corona times. But when 
clubs kind of like first open up again. I felt this energy and it made me, for example, play a lot harder because again, I, uh, I realized, yeah, wow, this is cool. You know, the, the people, the kids want, um, uh, want something more energetic and harder again, because of all the pressure and all the energy that's gotten hold down for, for such a long time now, you know, And that the logic for, for, for this new type of energy kicks in. And I hope the next couple of years, you know, now I'll make a prediction again, you know, this kind of new energetic uh, and more, again, social and open up and meet everybody and be open to a lot of new beats and new people that I think and I hope but will Once we get over that Corona thing, which I hope in one way or another we will at some point, um, that would be my dream, but also my prediction for the next 10 years. You know? Okay, Max, listen, yeah. it was great yeah. to see you again. It's great to see you looking so good and uh, so fit. Cheerio. And uh, well, especially, you know, low carb diet, man. Oh, is it? Oh, well, God. I think I need Back one. Back in the days, it was drugs. Now it's low carb. You know? Back in the days, it was groupies. Now it's securities. But hey, we'll never stop living this way. And that's it for this interview with Westbam. If you liked this, I'm sure you'd also like the Martin Ware from Heaven 17 interview, where he talks about Sheffield as having a massive impact on his life. So have a listen to that. Or take a dive into something a little different. A raw and wonderfully emotional interview with Sam Brown. I'll see you soon. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.